Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023. Reducing latency has always been a challenging problem to solve as part of maximizing the user experience, as well as being able to execute particular usage models in a sufficient manner. Specific to the self-driving and EV markets, mitigating latency is a must-have feature that literally has life and death implications. To discuss a breakthrough and disruptive new technology solution that Infineon is bringing to the market, I'm joined by Sandeep Krishnagowda, Infineon's VP of Marketing and Applications. Sandeep, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure, Mark. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is going to be an exciting topic to talk about. Um, what I want to do is, before I get into because we'll be all over the place if we don't do this in an organized manner. What I want to do is talk about your background first, and then we're going to get into not only this new technology that you're bringing to market, but we're also going to discuss the usage models, um, what's breakthrough about it, and why it's so critical. Because I think some layman mainstream folks have kind of a, they kind of sort of understand why reducing latency is important in a kind of a, a PC or Mac application manner. You know, those new generations of PCs and Macs have come along. They're all now using solid state drives, which obviously improves latency. But we're talking about a completely different ball game here when we talk about the technology you bring to market. But first of all, what I want to do is let's talk a little bit about your background because I think that's pretty imp that's important, and I think uh, the uh, viewers and listeners will really appreciate hearing uh, about your background before we get into the uh, meat of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been working in the semiconductor industry for over fifteen years. I worked on all different types of memories, embedded systems, in different roles from design, product uh, development to marketing and, and different uh, executive roles. So I started uh, as a new college grad uh, from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, New York, Troy. Um, did my master's there um, in various different roles uh, at Cypress Semiconductors before we were acquired by Infineon in, in 2020. Um, and I'm part of the automotive division, uh, working on the next generation NorFlash memories for automotive. Well, you certainly have the right technical and technology background because this is just an, I, I find this really interesting in terms of the kind of the minutia that really is important uh, about um, why this new announcement is going to, I think, so critical. And it's really game changing in many ways. So let's go right into that right off the bat. You're announcing a new product, a new solution called Semper X, X1. So why is it important to the auto industry? So you think about what's happening today in the automotive industry, right? There are two main trends uh, that you observe. One, you hear a lot of decarbonization and you hear a lot about digitalization. And when you think about decarbonization, you actually see it. I mean, you see how many more electric vehicles are there out today on the roads than what used to be uh, five, six years ago. And you think about digitalization. I mean, there's a lot about green mobility. Uh, there's about autonomous driving. There's all about connected vehicles. You know, what's happening with all this is, you know, you see the future towards more self-driving vehicles, more about software-defined vehicles. Now, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a journey, Mark. It's not something you just wake up tomorrow and say, I have everything I need to define a software-defined way. <laughs> right. Okay? 
you, you see different OEMs, different parts of the world. You, you see them transitioning from uh, an architecture that used to have many many ECUs in the car, over 100 ECUs in the car, right? Yes. Towards few, far fewer in, in steps and towards the software-defined vehicles and what you see today is domain architectures. You, you see several different functional areas of how a car is done in a domain architecture um, towards a zonal architecture where now you have a few zones, like you have things in the front, you have things in the back, you have in the side, and, and you have a central uh, ECU at the center that's you know uh, monitoring and, and doing all the uh, activities. So, and different OEMs are going through this transition towards uh, software-defined vehicles because of you know th th that that's where really how uh, transformation of the vehicle is going to happen. Right? If you think about what's happening in these type of cars, especially when we talk about autonomous drive cars, right? The amount of sensors. I mean, you have cameras today. You have uh, lidars, radars all types of sensors. I don't know, Mark, how many cameras you have in your car, but my car, I have about totally about 32 cameras. No, no yeah, let, let me just get, pause you for a second. I mean, even cars that today are not self-driving, uh, you know, cars today, even non-EVs, non uh, but even a current vintage um, car today, I would probably suggest over the last five, five years or so, uh, these cars are driving computers and they have all kinds of sensors for parking, there's uh, literally, you know, uh, uh, there's scores and scores of subsystems in the car. And the, the car is really a drive. Not only is it it's a computer engine, it's a sensor based driving engine. So you're absolutely right. And I, and I think that analogy is exactly right. And, and you see there's more and more happening, right? There's more yes. cameras, there's more sensor types, you know, radars and lidars that yes. comes in. And, and, you know, there has to be something evident, especially, in, you know, in automotive. The real-time compute performance has to be very high, mm. right? You cannot just be like, I'm, I'm working on a laptop, right? And then it, you can make a decision, you can context switch your applications. And no, when, when there is something that's happening, you know, something comes in front of your car, Real-time decisions has to be made. Yes. And it has to be made in a very defined moment, uh, uh, you know, very small latency. And you see that very much there are specs around how an airbag deploys, right, today in a car. You're not going to say no when an accident happens. That's the primary thing that has to get deployed first. That's exactly right. So that gives you an element of real-time application. And, and this is also happening in a self-driving car with many, many more functions associated yeah. with it. And, and so there's an explosion of uh, performance needs for real-time uh, applications that are safety critical, right? And, 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 you know, you'll only drive a car uh, that you trust in. <laughs> and to build that trust, you need to build uh, trust in the technology underlying to that, right? Now, let, let's go one step deeper, Mark. Now, how, how are they going to realize this type of performance? Um, you know, the, the, the technology that used to exist in, in the cars four or five years ago and even today is not sufficient, right? So they used to work on technology nodes uh, in CMOS, 40 nanometer, 28 nanometer. Now, now you see the transition where, you know, processors are being built in sub 10 nanometer. So we have customers working on 
you know, five nanometer, seven nanometer, and even three nanometers. So there's, there's lots of compute going into the car to make this technology come together. Now, when you think about compute and you hear a lot about scaling, and, and that's because you're also driving a, a, a vehicle that's on batteries, it's important, power is important, so you go to a new node, and, and that's logical, right? You want faster performance because you have more applications to run. But th there also has to be an element of, hey, it's not just about compute, what's happening on the memory side? Because, you know, it's not easy, it's not, it's not, you cannot, you cannot neglect the memory innovation that also has to come in to mm -hmm. support this type of processors. So there's one key trend that, that I want to bring more awareness to the, you know, to the customers and, and partners of yours is when you transition um, the processors to very advanced technology nodes, what you used to get executed on this code, um, you know, you, you had embedded flash inside a processor uh, in, in, in the previous generation uh, processors, and they would execute the code inside the processor, and that was good, right? But when you're moving to advanced nodes, the, you see a, a disintegration of, of, of uh, technology because the memory is not scaling, only the logic is scaling. So the memory is getting disintegrated and going outside. And now you need a very high performance memory that can actually work with these processors. And so that's what Semper X1 is about, right? So the, 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 the standard NOR flash memories that we have that's in the industry today it cannot support this transition towards a new architecture, the new processor. So we had to create what we call a new category of memory called LPDDR flash. And Semper X1 is a very first product uh, in, in, in associated with this new standard, new category of memory called LPDDR flash. Right. So we, and I think that's the point that I'm, and I'm glad you made it. This is something brand new. This is not a rehash of older technologies. This is really a new solution, a new approach to memory that I think is obviously critical in, in the usage models we've talked about. And again, I think the operative word here is real time. And I like the analogy you used about an airbag. As silly as that might sound, you know, when you have an accident, an airbag can't deploy three seconds after it notices that there is a, uh, a crash. You know, that could be literally, that's a really a life and death scenario. And the fact that you bring this capability together in a real-time basis with a processor chip orientation, um, I think is really interesting. So let, let's get into the technical for a second. I, you know, I like, generally like to keep the, the podcast at a high level, but let's get into the technical details about this and talk about really the breakthrough component of, the, of this new capability. Yeah, I mean, what's fundamental innovation in this, right, is the fact that we have a very high performance interface, like an LPDDR interface, to a non-volatile technology. Mm -hmm. The key here is to a non-volatile technology, right? Uh, you, you, you hear a lot about an LPDDR with a volatile technology like a DRAM, and, and you see that it's, it's there in everywhere, right? It's there in cars, it's there in our laptops, it's there in our data centers, but not with a non-volatile memory. And this is the very first product uh, ever to be built uh, with uh, non-volatile technology with an LPDDR interface. We had to make some few minor tweaks uh, to deliver the true performance because, you know, we had to optimize for latency, right? So, and we had to optimize to work with the non-volatile technology. And that, mm -hmm. that's what we did. And right. 
what's important that you also notice on the screen, right, is the fact that you have more and more cores, which means there's a consolidation of applications that run on these processors. And all of these has to work in real time and they need multiple different banks on your flash memory right. that, that don't interfere with each other, right? You don't want to be, you know, if there is a certain real-time application running on core, then you, you want to have freedom of interference between these applications accessing the memory. And that's what this device does very well. And hence we, we uh, did this. Now, if you look about the performance that you get, right? And, and I mentioned, you know, today the, the technology of NARFLASH, uh, which is the Octal, the, the highest performance device is not capable. And, and this device offers 8x the higher performance and bandwidth. So you get 8x more data so you can run faster. But most importantly, it gives you 20x higher random transactions to the memory. 20x. Yeah, so I want to underscore that. 20x. You don't typically see that in a kind of run-of-the-mill technology iteration. That's a big, big improvement. 20. This is a leap. I mean, this is yeah. a magnitude of our uh, performance difference. And this was designed to have multiple applications that can be pipelined uh, you know, in, 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 to deliver that performance, right? And, and I go back to, you know, the analogy we used, you think about a zonal controller, which has multiple cameras, multiple radars, lidars, you're running multiple applications on the zone that has to make real time critical decisions. decisions right. And, and if you have a processor that does not have an embedded flash on it, you're depending on an external memory. This is what delivers that, right? And, you know, th there's, Okay, there's other ways of how customers can solve the problem. And I'm, I'm not saying this is the only way. They, there are ways where you could have a lot of SRAM inside the memory, um, but there is also, you have a DRAM and customers can use a DRAM. The, the challenge with the DRAM, of course, is you have one, you have to train a DRAM interface and, and that you know consumes about 100X more than what an LPDDR flash can do. Right. The DRAM is volatile in nature, which means you have to keep refreshing the data, especially as your temperature, the rated in, in our cases is more than 125 degrees C rated part. So if your temperature goes up, then you're refreshing your memory cells more frequently. Mm -hmm. That reduces the efficiency and access of your DRAM device. So in our in our case, that's you know we don't have that with an uh, with a flash with an NVM technology. And these are all the benefits that uh, architect gets when he's designing something with this new category of memory with an LPDDR flash. And, and that's where I think, you know, this is the breakthrough uh, from our perspective to take what was already in the uh, uh, industry, right? It's a proven LPDDR interface is a proven uh, technology interface. And then we didn't try to reinvent the wheel there. What we did was combine an, uh, a technology, a non-volatile technology that is extremely fast, uh, gives you about 10 nanosecond accesses to this memory to an LPDDR interface. And that is what brings something new to, to, to the market that, that is uh, you know, fantastic. Well, you know, one thing I do want to get into because it's not a casual um, observation is that when 
a company like Infineon, which has been around a long time and they've got tremendous technical chops and operational chops and all kinds of expertise in multiple product spaces, is when they put their, um, their rubber stamp on a new technology, that's a big thing because a lot, you know, especially in the auto space where, uh, especially EVs that have, you know, those cars have, you know, uh, MSRPs in the 60, $70,000 range. Yes, the prices are coming down, but they're still expensive products. And any car manufacturer is loathe to, uh, to, you know, um, to embrace a brand new technology if it's going to add risk. And I think the fact that, you know, you're leveraging a proven technology out there in, uh, from an interface standpoint, I think I want you to talk about just the design in expertise, the fact that, you know, Infineon does have a reputation for being, you know, a very strong uh, partner with its, um, uh, with its customers and, and, <laughs> and being a partner with an auto company is not a trivial <laughs> thing. Uh, so talk a little bit about that and the fact that, again, this technology, it's not like, while it is breakthrough and it has incredible performance improvement, it, it's not a high risk for, for a company to embrace that and implement the technology, not only in the short term, but long term as well. Very good point, Mark. I think it's important to recognize that Infineon is number one in automotive. Mm. We, we, we have been in this industry working together uh, you know, for over three, four decades. So we know what is really needed for an automotive industry. You know, we know it's important to have a technology that's extremely reliable, uh, that is safe, uh, that is secure, and delivers on the performance. And, and so, you know, in many an aspects, what we did is work very closely with our uh, partners, in this case, the SOC partner that is developing these processes, these real-time processes. But we also had to put this in a system environment, right? Mm -hmm. So we work, if you realize, in the automotive industry, you have a tier one, like a, a, a Bosch, a Continental, the, the several tier ones that, that build these ECUs that then go to an OEM. And, and you know, it's important to, to understand the vertical ecosystem to bring such a solution into light. And something that we did very well uh, in, in, firstly, you know, being in the automotive industry, we recognized the trend and the challenge way early. So we knew exactly what's going to happen. And hence, we were able to innovate together jointly, right, with, with a tier one partner, with an SOC partner to actually define the solution. And, it, and we didn't just stop there. We really went uh, much ahead in actually building a solution, uh, putting it in, a, in an actual you know, system and, and start to develop and test to make sure that the performance that we say on paper is actually met on silicon. You know, they're, right. they're very two different things. And... It, it takes quite a, a, a development process. And, and you see, you know, a lot many trends towards functional safety. There's new emerging regulations around how you develop products for automotive. And, and this is very common in the ISO 26262 standards. And, you know, developing these systems that meet certain safety levels, which they have A, B, C, and D. And, and something that we have done is the highest level, right? right something that is super safe that actually can work in a powertrain type of an applications in, 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 in the cars. Th this requires more than just building uh, uh, memory. <laughs> Let me say it that way. It, it, there's lots of diagnostics that goes into the device. There's no lots of innovation that, that happens as well uh, to bring such a solution to the market. Right. Well, again, just to close this out um, on this particular topic, 
it, it's just that it, I think Infineon's legacy and their their brand and value proposition is just not a technology provider, but as a company who really can bring things to market that has very high levels of confidence when they're working with a partner. I think it's that's obviously a big deal. But you know, the thing I do want to talk about because this is going to be kind of I'm sure that this will be an interesting part of, uh, part of the podcast is how is the industry re responding so far to this? You know, I mean, uh, the value proposition obviously is an important element, but give us, you know, some feedback on terms of how this is kind of, um, you know, uh, the reaction has been to it. Uh, because, this, again, this is a breakthrough. This is not something that's a uh, just a, a, an, an a, um, iteration enhancement. This is a totally new ball game in many ways. Yeah. Uh, so let me be honest with you, right? It's too early at this point to say how the industry is going to respond. Um, as I mentioned to you, what we have done is had worked with a few of our SOC partners, worked with a couple of the tier ones to bring a solution in place that now demonstrates the value, right? That, that system performance. And, you know, so, something we, we need to understand, especially in an automotive industry, uh, which is quite different than a, you know, consumer product is that the design life cycles for automotive is in the range of five to seven years. It's kind of coming down with, with new innovation, but it's still around five years. Compared to a laptop you, or a new consumer device, you can do that around one year and you see that refreshed every year. Right. Uh, that, that's quite different for automotive. So we've been working with our partners on this solution for the last three years. And once we are now at a place where we see this performance is actually realizable in, in a hardware, in a system, and this can actually get deployed in, 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 uh, in, in the new cars that uh, will be built in the 25-26 timeframe. I think this is kind of where the excitement is because you're now able to you know, consolidate a lot of safety critical applications and functions into a single zone control or a domain control. And the, the innovation of our technology here with this LPDDR flash with SemperX1 enables this new uh, car. So for me, you know, looking at what the value proposition here for the industry, it's really about having an alternative, firstly, uh, because of the disintegration of uh, embedded flash that delivers on the performance. Uh, and when I mean performance, I'm referring to the real-time performance, right? Yeah. Because you are actually executing code. And, and you have to meet that with the safety and security aspects that will be governing the future of next generation software defined vehicles. So right. that that's what's new. That's what's the value proposition that, that we bring. Well, and, and I love this slide right here because it really lays out, I mean, there's more than, I'm sure this is just kind of a, a kind of a, a, um, a cliff notes version of the number of functions uh, in a car and it obviously always expanding, but the fact that it's this kind of cap uh, capabilities addressing, you know, 20 very, very uh, specific safety critical functions and of course there are more than that if you really want to drill down i think that's a big deal and i can understand why the value proposition is so um is so compelling the the thing that's interesting and this is well we're getting close to the end of the podcast got to talk about this because this capability could be applied to even other uh, categories but this gives you an opportunity to really talk about what's next in this space and just hey you know what's coming down if you could get that kind of infineon crystal ball out where do you see things are headed? 
But yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, Mark, that there were 20 on the previous slide, right? But you think about that uh, there's more sensors coming in. There's yes. more types of sensors. So there's more safety critical things that's actually growing. And so what does it mean? It means more real-time performance, right? So more real-time performance means you, you really need to think about, uh, okay, it's not just what we have today, what, what, what we have. Uh, X1 stands for hey, it's our first generation. We're already working on our second and third. So you can start seeing in aspects of there will be a growth uh, in performance needs. Uh, and so we need to develop a roadmap. So you can expect uh, higher performance LPDDR flash memories in the future. Mm -hmm. Second, you know, for me, it's it's not just sufficient if there's one single player in the market, right? And, and what we do actively is as we bring these new categories of memories with the new interface and, and, and types, we actually go and standardize this in the industry. So we have more competitors that can build and, and customers have a choice to use more than one supplier. And that's become more and more critical as we learned in the last few years with the supply chain uh, bottleneck. So it's also important for us to grow the ecosystem. So there's many more uh, suppliers in the market that, that actually is beneficial uh, to, to the whole uh, industry, right? And, and third, well, we, we have something uh, that's working today and, and we have to go productize it into an actual vehicle. And I think those are steps to me that once it is there, uh, which we expect in the next couple of years to see this technology being uh, driven in the new vehicles, I think the, the opportunities are limitless, right? So we, we think... Uh, there's a great innovation here. There's a great market. Um, there'll be may, many more zones that will be in the market. So the market opportunity is quite big as well. And, and that's what keeps us excited. And as market leaders, you know, we are proud to bring these innovations to, to the industry and, and capitalize on it. Well, it's going to be amazing when you look at what uh, EVs look like, you know, th two, three, four years from now versus the EVs that are out right now. And, um, you know, I've said this before, is that, you know, we look at today's cars as all, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're driving computers. When you look at the innovations that you're bringing to market and just the, some of the capabilities that will be, uh, that you're going to be able to enable because of that real time benefits to um, reducing latency, it's going to be a big deal. But I want to listen, uh, Sadiq, thank you for uh, participating in the podcast. Let me uh, bring up one other slide here because I want to make sure people can get a hold of the information that we've just talked about. Um, again, thanks for taking the time to join me for today's podcast, Indeed, For our viewing and listening audience, thanks for making the Smart Tech Check podcast part of your day or commute. Please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe buttons at the end of today's podcast or use these on-screen QR codes to connect with me. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mark Vina Tech Guy. And until next time, have a great week. And Sandeep, thanks for dropping by in today's podcast. Thank you, Mark. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much.